continuing in our series on 1 John. If you didn't get one of these cards when you walked in last week, uh, it's the secret sauce of Christianity is the series. And this gives you an overview of 1 John, and then we've given you a challenge to take every day. How many of you have been reading through 1 John this week? Can I see a show of hands? That's awesome. Thank you for those of you that are joining us. It's not too late. This week, 1 John 1, tomorrow. 1 John 2 on Tuesday, 3 on Wednesday, 4 on Thursday, 5 on Friday, and Saturday's your makeup day, all right? But every week, if we're reading a chapter of 1 John, we're expecting God to show up. We're expecting Him to share. The Holy Spirit, we don't just read the Word of God like a book. We pray and say, God, would you speak something to my heart? And as he does, we're sharing it on Facebook. So we've got someone else that's going to be putting their takeaways. They're going to be posted every day on Facebook. Look for them on Instagram as well. And feel free to share with what you have. So I'm going to introduce to you Christopher Daigle, who is bringing our message this morning. Come on, Chris. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Can you guys hear me okay? So there are, I'm Christopher, um, Christopher Daigle, if you, those of you who don't know, I uh, recently joined as the worship leader about four or five months ago now. Uh, it's a complete honor to, to speak to you guys. I didn't think I'd be speaking this soon to you. Uh, God has a funny way of, of putting a word in your heart and then making it happen. So first of all, I want to say there are churches all over New Hampshire that pastors lead worship and preach every week. I don't envy any of them. This is, uh, it's, it's quite a balancing act to think about worship, think about transition, think about the message. And what I'm really excited about today is I really do believe God gave me a word that I want to share with you, but I'm going to be the opportunity to sharing out of 1 John uh, 1, 5 through 2, 11. And living in the light is the sermon title that I was given uh, kind of as a frame of reference to, hey, where are we going? What is the tone of 1 John? Uh, but as I was reading it, how many of you have been reading through this? We already saw a show of hands. Did anyone notice how intense John can be in this message? He doesn't hold back. And so I, I made an alternative sermon slide uh, because when I read it, I thought it was an unfiltered message from Grandpa John. And the reason being is because if you ever met someone, I'm not saying any of us in the room are this, but if you ever met an older person, maybe uh, a grandparent, I know my, you know my brother's here today, my grandfather in his late age, uh, stage of his life had this ability to just say whatever he wanted without holding back. And when you read First John, John's very clear in what he's trying to portray in his message, and he's not holding back. He's not sugarcoating it. So just picture this, you know, John, he's at the end of his life when he's giving this message, and there's confusion because people are still practicing Judaism. People don't know what does it really mean to be saved. That's why our sermon series is called The Secret Sauce. What is the secret sauce? You know, Greg reminded us, there is no secret sauce. Jesus is the only way that we can uh, experience eternal life with Jesus. But why is John being so straightforward is the question, you know. As we continue to go through this, what we're going to do today, I'm going to read all of the scripture together. We're going to read it together. I have it on the screen. And then we're going to go piece by piece. I really felt to go through the word and let the word speak for itself today. So as we read it together, 1 John 1, 5, and 7 says, This is the message we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is the light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying. Thank you, Grandpa John. We are lying if we say we have spiritual fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus. His son cleanses us from all sin. If we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. 
If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar. Okay, John. And showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Continue on in chapter 2. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads in our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person's a liar. You guys sit in the tone here? Grandpa John's not holding back. He doesn't want to have any confusion. It's not, and uh, that person's a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. And this is how we know we are living in him. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person's a liar. (laughs) It continues. It is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. A couple more verses here. Dear, John, dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one that you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you've heard before, yet it's also new. Jesus lived this truth of this commandment, and you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing the light is already shining. If anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, okay, pivot. He's getting deeper here. That person is living in the darkness. And the last couple of verses here, anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. All right, everyone, have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, this is, uh, this is an intense message, and really, it's just, the truth is, truth sets us free. You know, as we go through this today, I want to really pick out what God's heart is behind us, because God's not angry, John's not angry, God is just, he really wants us free. And if you remember in verse 4, uh, 1 through 4, like Greg read last week, he was saying, I'm inviting you into something here, I want it so that you can experience this joy with us of salvation. So let's pray as we go. So Father, I just thank you for this word. I thank you that it's going to minister to hearts today. Father, I thank you that you have an ability to show us things in our life and bring us into freedom. Only you can do this, Father. We just bless you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. So yes, I want to kind of open a little bit just to kind of give you a frame of reference so that we know that we're on equal playing ground here today. We're shoulder to shoulder hearing this message. I'm not coming to you with this incredible spiritual pedigree or incredible, um, you know, holiness. You know, when I got saved, I did not know Jesus and I had never lived in a home where we talked about God all that much. And it just wasn't how we were kind of raised. It was, you know, we had a good family, lots going on, lots of dynamic. But um, I only want to share a brief part of my testimony to kind of help you understand where this message relates to where I came from. So, you know, about in this picture, I'm about 19 years old. My brother's in this picture. He's working at Market Basket. My sister's here. You know, I'm about 19 years old. I graduated high school. Now, I was an athlete in school, but I was bullied most of school. I didn't have really any friends, really wanted to fit in, so I overcompensated through sports trying to find this identity. And then you graduate school, and like my dad thought maybe I'd go pro. The truth is, I've told him finally, Dad, I probably would have never gone pro. But he still to this day will say, you could have made it, you could have made it. He's a good dad. But I knew I couldn't. I was throwing 78 miles an hour in high school. I was not going to go pro. But school ends, and now I don't know who I am. You know, everything that I was trying to become and trying to compensate 
before in my athletics. Now I'm an adult with no purpose. I didn't go pro. I'm playing basketball, maybe as a pickup, but I'm moving on. And that emptiness that I had my whole life that I was filling with sports, I couldn't fill with anything. I tried to be a person in career, tried to do sales, failed at that. So about 19 years old, I'm here. Two years later, just so you guys know, you know, this is going to be uh, very raw and honest with you. I just want to share with you where Jesus met me. So after failing in business, failing in work, uh, I was in a relationship with a girl, got cheated on, my heart was broken, I was all messed up. Um, I just couldn't get away from this, I don't like me anymore. I couldn't get away from this thought of, my life's not worth living. And I dealt with suicidal thoughts, I probably from 16 years old till I was 22 years old. And at 21, 22 years old, I attempted suicide, and I ended up in an inpatient program. And, you know, I was living in my car at the time. I had lost my job because of depression, so I got another job. And then my car broke down, so I lose that job. Then I lost my place I was living, and the person that I was, I didn't really have a one, you know, 1-800-hotline person I could just call at any time. You know, my family's here today, and God has completely restored our family, and, and there's been this incredible thing. But at the time, I was just kind of jaded. I was offended. I didn't really want to call on my family, and I didn't really feel like I could. It wasn't a shot at them. It was just the brokenness that I was dealing with in my life. Does that make sense? You know, and at that point, I'm living in a 1995 Ford Probe with no heat, parked at an Epping parking ride exit 7. And I said, God, if you're real... You're just going to have to do it because I'm done. And I went to sleep that night thinking that I would not wake up. And I woke up the next day, and I was very frustrated to be alive. But I want to tell you something. I heard a voice enter my car. And he said, I love you. It's going to be all right. Go to the hospital. I don't know what to do. So I just go to the hospital. I don't remember how I got there. But here's the thing. You go to the hospital and you tell them you heard voices. <laughs> they put you in a special hallway in the hospital. <laughs> I meet Jesus. My life, I, I'm in this room. And I, wanna, I don't want to spend much time here. But just to kind of give you a picture, I was hopeless. And then God broke in. And where I want to connect it to our message today, because after that point, you know, I began to follow God. I got invited to church. Someone found out that I had done what I had done. And they said, hey, come to church. They gave me gas money to go. I went. I started experiencing God. And then I met Holy Spirit. And that changed my life forever because I realized, well, okay, God is real. His power is real. He really is who he says he is. And that became the point where I was like, I am all in. And where I want to tie it to the message today is the fact that God begins to not only woo you in this beginning stage of your life with Jesus, he'll woo you in. He loves you. It's called the honeymoon phase with Jesus. But how many of you know that that's not the end? Jesus wants to make us like him. He wants to begin to transform us and renew us by the power of his word in our minds that we begin to emulate the love of Jesus. We begin to become Jesus on the earth. Now, how many of you know that comes with consecration? So I just believe this. I want to pray into this today as a community, as we leave, this is what I really want us to leave with, that God is inviting us into a season of consecration. And how I want you to, to kind of hear it, it's really cool how Holy Spirit weaves things. Now, I've only been here five months, so I'm only going to share my five-month experience of what Holy Spirit's been doing. But, you know, my first week here, it's Easter, and the prayer team's downstairs, they're getting excited, and they see a vision of a wave coming over Shiloh, a wave of the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you are excited about a wave of the Holy Spirit? That's a good thing. Okay, so wave of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Wow. Amazing. Well, what do you do with that? Well, we thought it was going to come that day. It didn't necessarily. We've been seeing little 
trickles of waves, you know, there's, but that big wave, it was all-encompassing. It, it took everyone over. The next week, you know, a couple weeks later, we're in prayer, and we as a staff, we actually pray every week together. We pray for you. We pray for the service. We lean into what is God speaking to us, and we really try to be in unity. Well, Greg hears a word, feels like the Lord speaks to him, the word consecration. Now, in that moment, I also was hearing 1 John 1, 5, all the way through verse, chapter 2, the verse that we're preaching today. So the Lord speaks to me and he says, I have a word for you. You're going to preach this at Shiloh. I'm like, ha, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not going to preach about sin on my first message at Shiloh. It's not going to be how it goes. So I tell Kevin that. Uh, I love you, Kevin. Kevin spills the beans later because in our elders meeting, we get a chance to sit in and listen to and pray with the elders. And I was sitting in that meeting learning and listening. And you know, Josh says, hey, God spoke to me. I believe he spoke to me last night. Hey, we should look at 1 John as a book series to go through. Now, are you guys seeing what Holy Spirit's up to here? He's kind of putting me in a spot, but it's not about this. What is God speaking to us as a community? There's a wave of the Holy Spirit coming, and then he says, consecrate yourselves to me. For tomorrow, I will do great and mighty things for you. And just to kind of fast forward the last part, Chris Torres shares a prophetic word on the day we had a tornado almost. And he says, come to the altar, essentially, come to the altar, come and lay your burdens before the Lord. He wants to take them from you. The cross is, is completely empty. Jesus is risen. You can be set free. So we respond to that. And then Nate preaches a message. And he has this vision where he believes in his yard, all of the dirt gets pulled up. And so he's got wires exposed in his yard, it says high voltage. And he says, I feel like that's what God's doing in our hearts. He's, he's exposing these things. Now, you guys get where we're going here. When God wants to move in a community, he begins to work on us so that we can be consecrated and made into the image of God so that we can not only be a part of what God does, but that God can be pleased to dwell amongst us. Does that make sense? And we know that's by the blood of Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to break it down by verse by verse now. So 1 John 5, 7. This is the message we've heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. If we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus. I want to point out something. This is what the Lord spoke to me in that prayer meeting when, we, when Greg heard consecration. We all know about living in the light and God's cleanses us of our sins, but do you notice what he says about fellowship with each other? Why is that important in the confessing of our sins? And I believe what God is pointing out here is that not only does he want us free, but he wants us in fellowship. And when we begin to live in the light and we begin to share, listen, we all have burdens that we're carrying. All of us. All of us. <laughs> let's, let's tear down the pedestal of, of ministry for a minute and just say, all of us fall short of the glory of God. When it comes to a perfect God standard, we stand before a perfect God. None of us can stand on our own two feet and say, we got it. So what does that mean? It means that we're equal here. We're equal in fellowship. And what God wants to do here, not only does he want to set us free, but he wants to create such a unity amongst us in the community that the person next to you can share with you what they're going through and feel no condemnation. Why? Because you're sharing what you're going through. I'm sharing what I'm going through. Greg's sharing what he's going through. We're all sharing in this moment of transparency and authenticity. And I believe authenticity and transparency, it's what breeds freedom. And the truth is, is freedom is the byproduct of living in the light. You can't have freedom without being in the light. You know, maybe today you're struggling and you have something in your heart you don't feel like you can get free from. You can't shake it. Or maybe someone convinced you that this will forever be you. 
Jesus paid too much of a price for us to be stuck in bondage. He actually says he set us free from the law of sin and death. No longer are we bound by chains of sin. The blood of Jesus can break that. Amen? So what does it truly mean to live in fellowship with each other? You know, what would it look like if this community was so open that when anyone walked through the door, they just immediately felt liberated to open up, to bring to the light? Because we know if we bring things to the light, we get set free, right? This is where God's leading us. Let's continue real quick. 1 John 8, 10. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we call God a liar and we show that his word is not in our hearts. The truth is, if we hide our sin as a community or if we claim we have no sin, it discourages others from living in the light. And on the opposite side of that, if we live in the light and begin to share what we're going through, you're encouraging liberty. You're encouraging someone to open up. And when they open up, they get set free. How many of you want to get used to set people free for the, for the love of Jesus? It means you've got to live in the light. It means you've got to share the things that you never thought you'd ever share. I never thought I would ever share that I, I had a suicide attempt when I was 21 years old. But there's people in the room that maybe need to know they're not alone. They're not alone in this struggle with their life. They need to know that there's freedom for the thing they're dealing with. Because here's the thing. The enemy convinces us that you are alone in your struggle and no one else, no one else understands. And therefore, you can't talk about it because no one will understand. And even if they do understand, they don't really care. That's the lie of the enemy. And that's what God is bringing us into, is freedom. So here's the thing. I want to lead this into, I was reminded of Luke 18. I want to pivot off First John for a minute here. This is what it looks like in scripture to be someone who doesn't share that they're in the light and someone who does. So Jesus said, he told the story of some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and he scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God. <laughs> oh, it's, it's even gross to, to pretend. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. Sounds like a good Christian, right? I mean, it, no, I'm not trying to be crass. It, it is. It's a good Christian. Someone who's fasting, praying. They're, they're, they're faithful with their finances. They, they, they feel like everything belongs to Jesus. But look at the tax collector. The tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven. Man. As he prayed, instead he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, Jesus speaking, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Which one are we? You know, the truth is, is that we all want to be good Christians. We all want to do the right thing. Everyone has a desire to do that. But if we begin to use it as a pedigree or a badge, or if we begin to hold ourselves higher because we feel like we're successful, we're missing the point of what God was trying to communicate when he came and gave his son for us, that we would be one body, one spirit, one flesh, that we could all have fellowship with each other. Is this making sense? There's freedom. The truth is, we all need to live in the light. 
So what would happen if we actually live in the light? Because it's really exciting what Scripture says will happen if we begin to confess our sins to each other, open up, share that thing that you feel like no one can ever know. The truth of what happens is that when we confess our sins to each other and pray for each other, we will be healed. That sounds exciting to me. This is my favorite. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And all of my type D personality leaders said, amen. We want good results with our prayer. We don't want to just pray. I mean, some of you dedicate a lot of your time and energy to pray. Wouldn't you want your prayer to be like something that's successful and comes across? Well, what the Lord is saying is if you want success in your prayer, you want to see God come to pass in our prayers, we need to live in the light. Because it's when we're humble in a broken, contrite spirit, and we feel like we can't even lift our eyes to Jesus, but we can because of the blood of Jesus, when we come in humility and we say, God, you are perfect, I'm not. Father, would you do what only you can do? Father, I confess my sins to you. I give you everything, Lord. I I repent for my sin. I repent. You see the picture begins to happen that God is pleased with a broken, contrite spirit. We all want this. And the truth is, is there's freedom from sin. So maybe some of you, like I said earlier, you've just been bound by the same thing over and over again. You know, the statistics are really sca- are, are staggering. You know, people are addicted to, on an online addiction, you guys can read between the lines, 80% of men say they deal with being addicted to an online issue. 60% of women are addicted to the same issue. There's, it's in the church. That's church statistics. Addiction, struggle, bondage, fear, anger, Jealousy, strife, name it. You know, we can put our name on a name tag. We're all at the altar. We all need our Savior. I want us to pay attention as we move on in the First John 2, 1, and 3 here. My dear children, I am writing to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins. Not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. We can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. You notice he uses the word if, not when. Not, hey, when you sin again because you're stuck, if. Why is he saying that? If the word is perfectly true. He's saying, hey, this might not happen often for you, but when it does, or if it does, not when, if. You have an advocate. So what is God saying? You can be free from that thing you feel like you'd never be free from. What does it look like? It looks like living in the light, constant humility. Does it mean you can just do whatever you want? No, you're gonna honor your life with your eyes, safeguard. You're gonna choose to stay away from areas, stay away from people, end that relationship, break up with that boyfriend, break up with that girlfriend, living in the light, whatever it is that God is asking you to do in obedience When you're obedient to the Father and you receive the blood of Jesus, you can be set free. Amen? Well, let's continue on. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person's a liar and is not living in the truth. And those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live as Jesus did. Living as Jesus did, what does that look like in your life? To live as Jesus did. That means our life's not our own anymore. That means our standard of how we make decisions now is according to the word and not according to our emotions. 
not according to our feelings, not according to what we think is right anymore. Because when we give our life to Jesus, we give it all of our life. The Bible says if we try to keep our life, we'll lose it. But it says if you lose your life for his sake, you'll find it. Sometimes it just means letting go of our rights to be upset. Sometimes it means letting go of our rights to be right, whatever it might be. But the truth of what God's trying to point out here is that those who truly know Jesus become like Jesus. It's, it's the writing on the wall. What is the other side of what he's saying here? If you don't look like Jesus, you might not know him. Right? And I, when I say you, I mean we. This is a constant looking at ourselves of, does our life look like Jesus? And, and it's every area. Here's the thing about Jesus. He doesn't do an incomplete job. He's very thorough. And he doesn't let go. It says he completes every, every project that he starts. But here's the thing. If there's a crack in the foundation, he doesn't just slap some putty on it and call it good. He'll rip the whole house up if he has to. <laughs> he's, not okay. he's not frugal. He's not running out of money. He's not on a budget. Right? Where's Nate Wheeler? <laughs> you know? Like, he's going to build it right. And he's willing to tear everything down. But here's the thing. God has an amazing way to be meticulous. He can get in the details. He doesn't have to start us all over. You know, that's also a lie of the enemy. Oh, I failed again. I got to start all over. Nope. Little tweak. Little tweak. Little tweak. Holy Spirit coming, refining you, setting you free. You don't have to start over. Maybe you've been free from addiction for seven years and you might have slipped up once. You do not have to start all over. Jesus has already started a work in you. He's going to complete it. Look at the mission statement of Shiloh. Know God, find freedom. Notice you can't go find freedom, then know God. It's, in pur- it's on purpose. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. I love when God points us back to mission because that's what he's doing here at Shiloh. He's like, hey, I want you to know me, but hey, I want you free because when you're free, you begin to find your purpose. Because remember, when I was suicidal and didn't know who I was, I didn't feel like I had any purpose in my life. And then I met Jesus, and he goes, Chris, I have a calling for you. Now, mind you, I couldn't sing or play an instrument when I met Jesus. He's like, I'm going to use you to sing and lead worship. I'm like, oh, cool. (laughs) How's that going to happen? My mom knows. I lived with my mom for a few months, and all I did, they said, I was so thankful, the mercy of God, they said, hey, you know, we know you've been working and trying to support yourself as a young 18, 19-year-old. Why don't you just find some time, don't pay any rent, and just discover who you are? Now, I'm sure they were probably thinking college, become a doctor or something, do something cool, like have a chance. I was like, worship leader. I want to be a worship leader. I want to serve. So I was in my basement playing piano over and over, and I was singing. And I want to tell you something. It was awful. <laughs> it was bad. When you find your purpose, you have something to live for. Every one of you have a purpose in Jesus. It may not be what you thought it was going to be. Maybe you had a dream and it didn't work out. Listen, God has a perfect plan for you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your name. He calls you by name. He knows everything you've been through, everything you're going to go through. He knows what he's put inside of you. How many of you know, if you meet the author of a book that you're reading, you can ask a lot of questions. But if you just read a book and never know the author, it's kind of like, I wonder what it means. You have the full permission to go talk to the author of your life. Really fascinating. I'm going to move on here. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you, rather an old one you have had from the very beginning. Now we're pivoting. Because once you begin to find freedom in yourself, you begin to get in relationship with others. How many of you are married? 
you remember after like the honeymoon phase wore off? Does anyone remember what started to happen in your marriage? Just my marriage? <laughs> Shoot. Sorry, honey. <laughs> Here's what happened. The thing that I was able to hide well because I only hung out with Elise like three times a week started to come to the surface. You know, and what John wants to finish at the end of this book here is once you start living in light with Jesus, you need to start living in light with each other. That is the most sanctifying place you can be in the body of Christ is when you start getting shoulder to shoulder with people because guess what? People are difficult. Because when I started wrestling with my wife a little bit in, in, hey, I'm right, you're right, no, I'm right, no, I'm the leader, no, blah, 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 whatever, sin, pride, arrogance, I had to change. I had to change. And the way God does this, you know, he could just change you just like that, but that's not his desire. He says he wants us to be one as him and Jesus were one. So what does he do? He gives us relationships, and those are messy. They're not easy to go through. You know, what we have to do is realize that we're not perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're going to make an issue. We're going to disagree at some point. God wants us to work those things out. And at the end of John, that's what he's really going to. And this is a season of consecration. I'm going to give you one example. You know, we're going to close here in a moment. About seven or eight months after I, you know, started to hear like the Holy Spirit begin to speak to me about my life and my actions and, and things that I was bound in. And, you know, because I didn't get raised pure. I wasn't in pure relationships. God ended those relationships. Then he was like, hey, no more of this. No more of that. No more kissing. No more even looking. You're a single man now. I'm going to purify you. He just went on this journey of making me a typical high school boy to a, God, a man of God, right? And all of us have our journeys. But then he began to work on my character, my behavior, my relationships. And so I want to confess something to you guys, that your worship leader at Shiloh Community Church is banned from Planet Fitness in Plastow. <laughs> Still banned. I got banned when I was 19. I wasn't saved but I'm banned from Planet Fitness. And so the, the story is really quick. I used to work at a Planet Fitness. I had a staff t-shirt. Now I was a, a, a know-it-all 19-year-old. I had a gym bag in my trunk. And uh, my friend said, hey, let's go to the gym. It was like 10.30. So I was like, oh, cool. I pulled a shirt out of my bag. It says staff. I wear it. The staff people call me the next day. Hey, don't wear a staff shirt and work out. It looks weird. It makes our staff look like they're not working. Can you please not do that again? So sorry. Never happened again. Cool. Well, two days later, my friend's like, let's go to the gym. Now, I forgot a shirt, so I put the staff shirt back on. Now, I'm a know-it-all 19-year-old, so I didn't think to, like, common sense, flip it inside out. I just wore it again. And so I got a little bit more of a rude phone call, what I thought was rude, the next day. Do not come back to my gym if you're not going to listen. I don't know who you think you are, but you do not wear a staff T-shirt. And I didn't respond very godly. I wasn't saved. I threw, I threw some words Back, the woman who was a manager, her boyfriend was the assistant manager. He didn't like what I had to say to her. He gets on the phone, starts yelling at me. It's ugly. You're banned. Don't ever come back. So the thing about me when I was young is whenever I get cornered or get put into a place of like, of um, uh, what is the word, uh, just confrontation, I just start over explaining why I did what I did. And, you know, at the time, my mom actually was going through uh, what we thought, she thought she may have had cancer. She had just found out, like, hey, do I have cancer? Do I not? This is the time frame that was. So what I start saying to this person who's yelling at me is, hey, I'm so sorry, I'm going through a lot. I'm trying to get into the military. That didn't work out. Story for another time. 
<clears throat> trying to get into the military. My mom just got cancer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And they're like, we don't care. Click. Long story short, here's the point. Consecration. Seven months later, I get a job right down the street from Planet Fitness. And guess what I drive by every single day? Planet Fitness. And the Holy Spirit begins to convict my heart. You remember that? You remember that? You remember that? Yeah. One day. I want you to go in. No. <laughs> no. I want you to go in. This is what God did. He told me to go in. So I go in. I say, okay, God, I'm obedient to you. I surrender. I go in. And that manager is right there. And so is her boyfriend. What are you doing here? I get in. Hey, I just wanted to come in and let you know that the way I behaved a year ago, I'm really sorry for that. It's not who I am. Well, we're not going to give you a membership back. Don't even think about it. It's not why I'm here. I just wanted to let you know that I'm really sorry. I'm trying to make some changes in my life. And I'm really embarrassed of how our interaction went. I'm just asking you to forgive me. Well, you don't have a haircut. You didn't go in the military. Your mom probably didn't have cancer too, did she? That's what they said to me. I swallowed hard and I said, I'm just here to say I'm sorry. I go to my car, I shut the door and I start bawling my eyes out. And I said, God, what was that? He goes, I'm so proud of you. That was nothing to do with your relationship with her. That was everything to do with your relationship with me. Well done, good and faithful servant. See, our life's not our own. As we close today, and I apologize for going a little long today, if we want to live in the light, we must learn to forgive. We must learn to let those things go. We must be willing to go make those situations right. God wants us free from sin. At least you can come up. We're going to play. God wants us free from sin. Just an overview of what we talked about today. He truly wants you free, and the only way you can be free is if you live in the light. God's design is that we live in community. So maybe today might be the first day that you bring something to the altar of God. That's a huge first step. But I believe what God is truly inviting us into is that maybe you invite someone into your life for the first time. You know, maybe you're here and you think your marriage is the only marriage failing in the church. I can attest to you and promise to you, failing is a strong word. What I mean to say is difficult. Maybe the enemy's convincing you, is this really going to work out? You're not alone. We all deal with struggles. Maybe you're dealing with an addiction and you don't know how you're going to get free. God says, bring it to the light and I will heal you. The thing about communities that brings challenges as people get closer. God wants us to learn to overcome conflict in a godly way. Maybe there's a relationship that you just need to make right. Maybe there's a phone call you gotta make. Maybe there's a family member you have to call and apologize to. Because here's the thing, did that woman deserve that nice treatment based off her response? Not godly perspective, human perspective. Did she deserve it? Maybe not. But God was pleased with it. This is the point of our life is no longer our own and we're willing to surrender. God wants us to be like the tax collector in Luke 18. You know, maybe you feel like, hey, I'm on a hot streak, man. Life's good. I'm, I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. I read my Bible every day. I pray. I'm good. Listen, the tax collectors talk just like that. Excuse me, the Pharisee talk just like that. He had all of the things going for him, but his heart was disconnected from the reality that he needed Jesus. Let us not lose that today. And I just felt like in my heart last night, I was with my wife praying for this service. Maybe you've lived in the light before and you brought something to a friend or someone in the church and you got really hurt. 
Maybe you just said, I'm never opening up again. You know what? Me and Jesus, I'm only here because I got invited today. I'm never going back to church. It's just me and God. We're good. The Bible says that's not true. You can't have the fullness of what Jesus paid for without the body of Christ. I know that's so difficult because we've got a lot of jacked up people in here. I'm one of them. I'm standing right here and I'm like, God, what am I doing here? I remember me. You remember you. But when we live in humility with Jesus and as we close today, when we live in humility and we give him our sin, I wanna make an opportunity for us to respond. I believe these altars can be full because it's not just sin we're talking about. It's Jesus, I wanna become more like you again. I'm sorry that I got so comfortable in my Christian faith that I just made it about Bible studies and groups and food and people. Lord, I wanna become more like you. I wanna see a move of God happen. I wanna see everything that the Bible says is mine. That comes with living in the light. Does that make sense? So let's pray. Father, prayer team, you can come up. We're going to leave. We're not going to leave right away. I know we got a little, we're a little late here. It's okay. If you need to go, you can go. But I want to encourage you, do that in a way. Make this place a room of ministry. I want to give people an opportunity to respond. I think today is the first day one of us lives in the light today. Maybe you're dealing with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. Listen, I got set free. Come see me. We'll pray. We'll pray together. Father, we just thank you that freedom is available to everybody, that you paid for it by the blood of Jesus. Lord, we just ask you to have your way in this room. We invite you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Let's take a minute to respond.